Hello, my friends, and welcome to another sermon in our series on the book of John. My name is Dan Forrest, and today we're going to be looking at John chapters 14 all the way to chapter 17. That's four whole chapters. So according to my calculations, the sermon is going to be approximately two hours, maybe two and a half hours. So go get a coffee, maybe have a bathroom break, just get comfy and cozy because we're going to be here for a long, long, sorry, just a second, getting something here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, that was Jonathan and he told me I've got to keep it down to 25 minutes. Let's scrap half my sermon, more than half my sermon. Let's go. Well, as we always do, we're going to start the sermon off with a video clip. This clip is from, a, from one of the most influential movies in my life, Dead Poet Society. It's got one of my favorite actors, Robin Williams, playing John Keating, who is a new unorthodox English teacher at a boarding school for boys. And in this scene that we're about to watch, he pulls his class into the hallway to look at some pictures of former students to teach them an important lesson about life. Let's watch. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? They believe they are destined for great things. Their eyes are full of hope. These boys are now fertilizing daffodils. And their legacy to you is Carpe Diem. Seize the day, boys. I watched this movie as a teenager and it was so inspirational to me. I would lie in bed wondering what great things I would accomplish with my life. I whispered those words to myself. Carpe diem, seize the day. Well, I'm not a highly ambitious guy like Jonathan or like many of you. Some of you might hear these words and rush out to work 16 hours a day, six days a week to build your business or be successful at whatever you do. I don't really have that kind of drive, but I do take seriously what I do each day and what I do with my time. I want to do great things in my life. And in John chapters 14 to 17, we read this promise from Jesus that as followers of him, we will do even greater things than he did. How is that possible? Jesus did amazing miracles. He healed people. He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. And he himself died on a cross and then rose from the dead three days later. I'm supposed to do even greater things than that? 
What did he mean by that? And, and how is that possible? Well, that's our topic for this morning. We're going to look at John chapters 14 to 17 to understand what he meant and how that's possible. Well, Jesus is nearing the end of his life on earth. And as we heard last week from chapter 13, Jesus knows that it's time for him to depart from this world and go to the Father. And going to the Father is a euphemism to describe Jesus' last days on earth. He is soon going to be executed on a cross and then three days later rise from the dead. And after 40 days of teaching his disciples, he'll ascend into heaven to be with his Father. Jesus loves his followers and he knows that they will be confused by what's going to happen. So he sits down with them one last time to prepare them and reassure them that he knows what he's doing. And this is essentially the heart of John chapters 14 to 17. These are Jesus' last words of instructions to his disciples, encouragement for them, guidance for them before he goes to the cross. So let's, be, uh, let's read the beginning of John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives in you, he lives with you, and will be in you. All right, so Philip starts off by asking Jesus if they can see the Father. And you can just practically hear Jesus slap his forehead. Philip, don't you know me by now? Have you not listened to anything I've said? Have you not seen what I've been doing? And Philip's request is, is reasonable, I guess. You know, Moses, he asked to see God's face in Exodus 33. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 40 that the glory of the Lord would be revealed in the coming age and that all flesh would see it together. And Philip's request is really our request. We want to see that God is real and alive and active and present in our world today. And in verse 10, Jesus explains what he must have explained a thousand times before. 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus and the Father are so interconnected that the very words of Jesus are coming from the Father. And the works of Jesus are actually the very works of God the Father. Philip, you want to see the Father at work among you. Open your eyes. The Father works through me, says Jesus. Philip, you want to know the Father personally. Listen and know me. I make the Father known. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to them. And in verse 12, Jesus gets really serious. And whenever Jesus says, very truly, or in some translations, truly, truly, we know that he means business. Pay attention. This is important. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. But Jesus must be exaggerating here, right? Like, how could this be possible? Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus resurrected a four days dead as a doornail Lazarus. And I'm going to do greater things? Me, just average Dan? Me, procrastinator? Me, the underachiever? Come on, Jesus, you can't be serious here. Well, some scholars will say that this really only applies to the early church. In the book of Acts, we see the apostles doing incredible things. They heal the sick. They break out of prison supernaturally. They raise the dead even. But these aren't really greater things. They're just doing the same things as Jesus. When we hear the term greater things, we think that he's referring to miracles. But I think that Jesus is talking about something more here. There are two ways that our works are greater than Jesus's. Our works are greater in fulfillment and they're greater in influence, in those two things. So how are our works greater in fulfillment? Well, Jesus had a specific purpose when he performed miracles. Jesus' miracles were done to show that he was the Messiah and to demonstrate that he was going to change this world. His miracles pointed to a new world that didn't quite exist yet. And when Jesus says, you will do greater things because I go to the Father, remember that when Jesus says that he is going to the Father, he's referring to his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And Pastor Daryl Johnson, he explains that after this event in history, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, after that event, the way that the universe is put together was fundamentally changed. Through the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension, Jesus overcame the three enemies of life. He overcame sin, evil, and death. And yes, they're still present in our world, but by dying on the cross, by being raised from the dead, and now ascended to the right hand of the Father, Jesus has broken the stranglehold and the authority of sin, evil, and death on our lives. We do not live in the same world that Jesus did, for Jesus overcame the world. Jesus' works were pointing to a time when sin, evil, and death would be overcome. So the works that we do today are a fulfillment of that victory that he promised. But what about miracles? Does, do, do miracles still happen today? I would say absolutely. God still intervenes in our world and does incredible things. And many of us have stories of God doing miraculous things. At my former church, 
We prayed one time for someone who had cancer. And shortly after we prayed, the test came back and the cancer was gone. And four years later, there is still no cancer in her body. That's a miracle. But I think that we put more hope in miracles than we should. Because miracles tend to be a flash in a pan. A one-time big event that amazes us. But then fades away over time. You know, look at Lazarus. He, he rose from the dead in this amazing, miraculous event. But he ended up dying again years later. The greater things that Jesus talks about are the things that last. The things that stick with us and change us for eternity. And those things are often small things. Now, not every mediocre thing that I do is a work of God, but I would argue that the things that we might consider as mundane are in fact great. Jesus said that when we believe in Jesus, we will do greater things. And in John, we commonly see this phrase. I've preached about this before. Believe in is connected with Jesus. And the Greek preposition that is used is ace, which most often means into. So we are encouraged to believe into Jesus. To believe into Jesus is not simply agreeing with what he says, but more deeply, it implies taking you out of yourself and placing yourself into Jesus. To believe into Jesus is to surrender and renounce yourself to him as a lifelong servant. So we do greater things when we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, when we choose to live our lives according to his directions. I think that we're doing greater things when we love others as we love ourselves, when we are faithful to our partners, when we welcome the outsider in, when we stand up for those who are oppressed or marginalized, when we make amends for our hurtful actions, I believe that that is a greater thing. When we forgive those who have harmed us, I also believe that that is a greater thing. These great works reveal the Father to the world, and by them we act on his behalf. Now these things might not seem like great works, but Jesus says that they are. And he goes on to say that when we ask for things in his name, he will do them from heaven. To ask for things in Jesus' name is not to pray for whatever we want, to pr but to pray for whatever Jesus would want. That's when we are doing greater things because Jesus is ruling behind the scenes, making these very things happen. What we see throughout John 14 to 17 is we are not alone in our work, especially because Jesus promised that he will ask the Father to give us another helper that will be with us forever. And this helper is the Spirit of Truth. And the Holy Spirit comes with lots of perks. In John 14 through 17, we learn a lot about the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 26. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. It's amazing, this this, this power of knowledge and truth that the Spirit gives. Later in chapter 15, verse 26, we read that the Spirit will testify about Jesus, meaning even though we've never physically met Jesus, the Spirit inside tells us about Jesus, and we learn about Jesus through the Spirit inside of us. Going on to chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus says, 
When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Spirit is at work convicting the world of its sin and warning people about judgment that will happen if they continue down their destructive paths and lifestyles. Verse 13, Jesus says this about the Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. How powerful is that? The Spirit guides us into all truth and tells us what is to come. These are just a few things that the Spirit does in our lives. The Spirit will teach us and remind us of Jesus' words. The Spirit will testify to Jesus. The Spirit will convict the world. And the Spirit will guide us all into truth. Jesus says that the Spirit will live with you and will be in you. And the Spirit entering in you sweeps us up into the triune God. Not only is the Spirit with you, but Jesus is also with you. And therefore, the Father as well. So the greater things that you do are not really your works then, but it's God at work through you. F.F. Bruce has this to say. He says, The greater works of which he now spoke to them would still be his own works, accomplished no longer by his visible presence among them, but by his spirit within them. Think about that for a moment. The works that you do are not your works, but the works of God. When you pull back the curtain on your good works, you will discover that it is God working in you and among you and through you. And the Spirit prompts you to take small steps forward, to trust in Jesus, to believe into Jesus, to do what Jesus would do. And your small steps actually become greater works for the glory of God the Father, for advancing his will on earth, for fulfilling his victory in overcoming sin, evil, and death. Well, another way that our works are greater is in influence. When Jesus says that the Spirit lives with you and will be in you, that you there is actually not singular, it's plural. Our works are greater because it's not just up to you, one person, to do them. In fact, God has raised up a whole worldwide community of spirit-filled followers of Jesus. And our combined effort is much more massive than anything Jesus ever did in his three years of ministry. You can even look at the early church in the book of Acts, and Leon Morris makes this observation. There are a few miracles of healing, but the emphasis is on the mighty works of conversion. On the day of Pentecost alone, more believers were added to the little band of believers than throughout Christ's entire earthly life. There we see a literal fulfillment of greater works than these shall he do. If you're feeling discouraged in your life, thinking, what great things am I doing for God? Well, consider this quote from Mother Teresa. Not all of us can do great things but we can do small things with love. 
And I would say on top of that, while what we do may seem small, when you add them all up with the works of all the believers around the world, they become great things. So knowing that you're not alone in doing the work of God, we do greater works because we have the triune God working in us and through us and because we are one body working together. And this is something that's emphasized even more throughout John chapter 14 to 17. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in the name in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. We will do greater things because Jesus has confidence in us. He chose us. He appointed us. And he empowers us to bear much fruit. We don't bear fruit in our own strength. We do it by the power of the vine that we're attached to. So we've got the Holy Spirit at work in us. We have Jesus the Son appointing us and empowering us. And we also have God the Father protecting us and uniting us. And chapter 17 of John is Jesus' prayer to the Father on behalf of his disciples. And this is part of Jesus' prayer and promise to us. John 17 verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Upon this rock, Christ has built the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Holy Spirit leads us, the Son encourages us and sends us, And the Father protects us and unites us as one strong body for his glory. Our works are great when we consider the scope of Christ's church. Jesus could only accomplish so much in three years of ministry in Palestine and just his one body. But his departure has unleashed the Holy Spirit into a vast number of Christians throughout time and around the world. Christians who are reflecting the glory of the Father and working with God for the renewal of all things.
Your simple acts of love are greater than the works Jesus did because he overcame sin, evil, and death. Because you are believing into him and because the triune God is in us and behind us and ahead of us and all around us. So don't be discouraged when you can't see the great miracles of the Bible in your life. And don't downplay the significance of your work. Because what we are doing individually and as a church is not insignificant or mediocre. The things that we do celebrate the victory of Jesus over evil. They bring light and life to those around us. And they flow from God himself through us and into the world. May we live and abide in that promise that by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our works are greater than we realize. Let me leave you with these words of Jesus from John chapter 4. So uh, he, he says this at the end of chapter 14, and he also says a similar thing at the end of chapter 16. Let me leave you with these words. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Go in the blessings of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.